Last week we had reformation through compassion. Great, I'm glad you guys remember. Reformation through compassion. And we pretty much used the tail end of the um, retreat uh, series and it was perf a perfect fit for us on last Sunday. And the timing was perfect because we were so, 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 so exhausted. Um, but I thank the Lord for that opportunity and that word to understand and to know uh, the truth regarding his word and how he views things. Yes, to see compassion as, uh, as a trait that is necessary that the Father gives us and that he tells us we're supposed to have for one another. And to look at how truly when Moses said, show me your glory, it was man that is the glory of God. Yes. Which I often find, you know, chuckle worthy because everybody says, you know, show me your glory. Yeah. Show me your glory. I'm like, it should be you. <laughs> You should be the one that is reflecting uh, the glory of God. Yeah. We're the ones that he says, if I had to take pride and joy in any of my creations, this is, this, is, this is what it would be. Like a husband, like a husband's wife is his glory. And so a man, mankind is the glory of the father. Yes. And a husband would boast proudly of his wife. And similarly so, God wants to boast proudly of us. Amen? Yes. And that doesn't quite go the way we had hoped. Yeah, but nevertheless, there's a way to things. Speaking of way, let's get into this lesson. Reformation through storms. We, is it? Because I don't, oh, okay, 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 great, great, great. Okay, okay, great. Great, 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 great. Does anybody know the difference between a hurricane, a cyclone, and a typhoon? No? Yeah. <laughs> They're the same. It's just based off of where they or originate. Mm -hmm. Hurricanes, North Atlantic, Central North Pacific, Eastern North Pacific, cyclones, South Pacific, Indian Ocean, and typhoons, Northwest Pacific. Yeah. But they're all the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And most of these storms, those violent hurricanes, like the one that we narrowly missed on our way to the retreat, <laughs> narrowly missed, all right, um, happen periodically. I mean, they're a necessity to keep the earth cool. It's like a giant fan and engine that when the temperatures get so hot, they cut on the AC and they just blow that hot air around. around. Does that make sense? So as the hot air is lifting and the wind from the land is coming in, then hot air rises, low pressure, and then the clouds start spinning. And then before you know it, you have a huge, huge, very huge storm, right? Um, what, is, what is peculiar to me is that everybody knows this is going to happen. <laughs> like everybody. I mean, They've been tracking storms since the early 18, late 1800s, okay? Everybody knows these hurricanes, typhoons, and, and cyclones or whatever, they're all gonna come. They all know it, they know where they're gonna start. They know the path more than likely they will take. And the paths don't really vary that much. It's all the it's the same thing, just this way, that way. This way, that way, that's just, and every year is the same, it's the same. But to us, for some reason, we are often perplexed and surprised. Oh my goodness, here come a hurricane. Yes. 
Oh, did you see that hurricane? Oh, my God. We ain't never seen that before. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. You did. Every year you act like, oh, my God, this is a new hurricane. And I wonder if that's true for us. Come on, Jesse, help me preach this text, okay? Every year we act like there's a new reason why we got a storm. You should be expecting storms at this point. I know some of you don't want to hear that because you're still young in the faith and you like to naively believe that, you know, you can avoid every storm, right? And then you like to naively believe that you don't have to take your energy and prepare for the storm like the rest of us because you got such good luck with Jesus that them kind of storms going to pass you by. So when we talk about storms and, the, the, you know, the saints of old, now I guess it's including me, all right, these people, right. <laughs> when that happened, <laughs> when they talk about how you got to be ready for storms, you're not aware that you need to be, you know, batting down the house and, and putting levees around and getting some boards and two-by-fours and, and getting some, some stocks, stocks pile some food and, you know, get a generator, you know. Other people were like, oh, let's prepare every year. You'd be like, maybe it won't happen this year. It will happen. That's every year. Because they say, oh, I'm in a storm. Duh. Either you're in a storm, just got out of a storm, or headed to a storm. That's it. Them the only three options. I just finished a storm, I'm currently in a storm, or I head into a storm. Them the only two options. Huh? That's it. That's all, that's all you got. But still, we don't, we don't prepare. We participate in behaviors that surely are not going to fortify our houses. We sleep when we should be awake. We play when we should be studying. All kinds of things happen at a time that is not opportune for a storm. And then, well, this is the funny part. When the storm hits people that are unprepared, the rest of us have to run to their aid. In my opinion, we all were sitting under the same word, getting the same scriptures, getting the same instructions. Hello? But you decided to use all your extra money and all your extra time for that new Prada bag and that new Hermes belt and all this kind of stuff. You know, you decided you want to have a little fun because you worked so hard. And the rest of us is over here sweating, making sure we have what we need for the next storm. And for some reason, it's a sense of entitlement that everybody should stop what they're doing because you're in the midst of a storm. Like everybody, like, can't you see me? Can't you see me? I'm in a storm. Yes, we see you, but we's also in the storm. And I just feel like you're not drowning yet. So let's just, let me finish doing this. As long as you ain't drowning, you good. You, you're not concerned about drowning. You're concerned about losing your stuff. You're concerned about losing your, your, your what is that thing called? Your, your reputation. You're concerned about, use, about losing, you know, some of your money. Hello, somebody. Some of your titles for success, you understand. You, you worried about losing your business, you understand. Come on now. You're losing that paycheck, losing that car. Oh, okay. Oh, let's rush in because you have a storm and you're losing stuff. That don't even make no sense to me. Because if you've been in a storm, you are grateful for your life. 
for your life. For your life. So now we get a whole bunch of Christians out here thinking that Jesus is the storm calmer, which we're going to talk about, because he wants to calm every storm in your life so that you don't have to worry about a thing. Now, I've preached storms before. I've preached these storms before. But I want to try something that seems virtually impossible. I would like to preach the text on storms without directly identifying the problems in your life. Like, can we preach about storms and it not necessarily point to you? I, I wonder if the text would lend itself not just for application, but hermeneutically for proper interpretation and usage. A famous author named Russell said, remember that the primary focus of the Gospels is Jesus, not you. Reading the Gospels with a uh, miscentered, narcissistic approach will result in the Jesus is going to calm my storms type of application. This can have the detrimental effect of knowing more about yourselves and less about Jesus. I mean, that is universal for the church. You can tell me all your triggers. You can tell me all your trauma. You can tell me when it started, when it ended. You can tell me so much about you, the season that you're in, what you think God is doing in your life. And when I talk to you about Jesus, you got very few words. Very few. But you know so much about yourself. Is it possible that we've taken the gospel message right out of the gospel and then just use it over and over and over and over again in order to solidify that something good is going to happen in our lives? So my attempt is to preach these same storm messages without you being the focus, without me being the focus. Do you understand? Without thinking about how he's going to calm the storms of your legal suit. You know what I'm saying? How are you going to calm, calm the storms of your negative bank account, you know? Calm the storms of your wrecked car, you understand? How he's going he's gonna to come right on in and help you to walk on water to get to the end result that he has planned. Hello, somebody. Yep, I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try. Nahum 1 and 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So this scripture plus a ton more, they all indicate that God really uses storms for a lot of stuff. But in this particular verse, to deal with the guilty. Now, I always thought when Jesus came into my life that all the consequences of my sin were erased. That the difficulty that I have in my life as a consequence, a direct relationship to some of the poor choices I've made, both morally and spiritually, that when I came to Christ, that all those things would be erased. No. No. What is erased is the death that you were sentenced to that you might live in Christ, but the consequences in due season, baby, in due season, in due season, in due season. 
Pastor, this is not a very good message you're preaching off the top. All right, you're not even making me feel happy. Okay, it's going to be one of the messages. I'm going to come in, I'm going to feel more sad when I leave. I don't know. I don't know your life. But the idea is there's something intrinsically wrong with how we process the gospel on a continual basis as a benefit towards us and not what it was intended for, which was to show us Christ. Right? So Nahum says, if you want to know the Father, uh, his way is in storms. He does things through storms, through whirlwinds. That's him, right? He gets stuff done with massive storms in our lives. Let's go to a more familiar scripture. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, there you go. Verse 35 and 41, through 41. Anybody here blessed? I am like that crazy parent that spanks you and then laughs at the end. <laughs> Are you there? Mark 4:35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, "Let us go across to the other side." And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking against the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? <clears throat> and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? <clears throat> one of the common misapplications of this verse, and I hope I did not do it before, but I might have, okay? I don't even know, all right? One of the most common is to say that Jesus, to use the scripture to say that Jesus wants to calm your storms like this. Because this scripture implies that, number one, Jesus is asleep when you need him the most. And number two, he moves based off of your rebuke. That's what it would apply. That if this is the method for Christ to come, you know, calm your, your personal storms, that most times he's asleep when you need him, right? And then when you wake him, you have to rebuke him and tell him, why are you not concerned about me? And then he says, oh, by all means. Peace be still. Oh. Off the top, that, that don't seem right. No, no. This particular verse, and many more like it, are just designed to show the disciples who he is. This was early in Jesus' ministry, all right? He gathered his disciples. He started teaching his hometown. They weren't hearing it, tried to teach again. His mom and his brothers were like, come on, let's lay hands on him and take him back home because he's lost his mind. And she said, I ain't coming out there with y'all. My work is to do the work of the Lord, all right? And my, my brothers and sisters, my family is those in the will of God. And in essence, y'all trying to capture me <laughs> and drag me back home when I'm not for it. I'm going to do what God is telling me to do. And so he proceeds, you know, with his disciples. And his disciples at this point only really understand him as a great teacher. Upon, you know, walking to him and talking to him, he was a great rabbi, someone that in conversation they could say, you know what? That's truth right there. 
you got something different that I ain't heard and it resonates with my spirit, you know what? Yes, I will follow you. In true rabbi form, you have to request to follow the rabbi and the rabbi has to accept it. You just can't be like, I want to follow you. And they be like, okay. Mm -mm. You, they have to say, okay. Amen. And most times, in order to be accepted by the rabbi, the rabbi will ask a series of questions to gauge your response. Wants to know how you think and view about a certain thing. A particular situation of, of the Old Testament prophecy. What do you think about these laws and these rules? And so he just pummels questions at you. No answers. He doesn't even care if you get an answer per, per se. It's all about evaluating what's in your heart. So these 12 were 12 that were selected, powerful 12. And as they've decided to go on to move on to Capernaum, I believe they're going next at some point. He said, let's cross this lake and go over to the other side so we can do some more power-packed preaching of the gospel. Yeah. And while they all were in the boat, as the story tells us, a great storm arose. Now, Jesus was asleep. Okay, in order to understand this, this scenario, let's look at the retreat. Okay. okay. Oh, On our way back from the retreat, oh, I'm sure Sister Glenda, Sister Janiah, Minister Hudson, Brother Stefan, Sister Danielle, and I'm missing one, Sister Lonita, right? I'm sure they said, carest not not that we perish? Because they were driving so reckless on the way back. Because everybody was, and the cars were just, you could feel them. And I looked over at my driver who kept doing. She goes, what's happening? And I recognize this is dangerous territory. And so I say to her, I'm so sorry, baby. I can't help you. And I roll over and I go back to bed, knowing that the car is swerving down the highway for another three plus hours. I am not out. What would give you such a deep sleep? One, exhaustion. I was exhausted. Right? Exhausted. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, all the above. I cried. I was in pain. The spirit of the Lord was moving. Everything could imagine happened. And it all happened in one big swoof. Yes. Right? Yes. So I recognized we in the hands of the Lord now. And I rolled over and just said, I guess we're going to die today. I don't know. But I do know I'm going to bed. And we proceeded to go to sleep. When you already know that you're doing exactly what God has called you to do. And bear in mind, this was before we saw the testimony of them sparkles. Okay? Them sparkles blew my mind. I still, nevertheless. If you didn't see the sparkles, ask Gabby. She got the video to show you these sparkles. Okay? But nevertheless, even before that confirmation, all right, it's something important about knowing that you're doing exactly what God calls you to do. Now, on the surface, it looked like to Satan and a whole bunch of other people that this was a terrible idea. Hurricane is coming. We got to pray the hurricane away. The money is short. We got to start asking for more money. Right? 
People that are giving, like, can I, can I give some more? Yes, please, please, please. Can you, can you give some more? Yes, yes, please, please, please. All to do one thing, to make sure the men had a house and the women had a house, which was specific for what God was doing. And that was beautiful. Simply beautiful. So then we had no money. The storm was coming. We had no money, all right? We had a ton of people, all right? The minister won't even back out on the children. Now we ain't got no kid teacher. I got three hours, to, four hours, no, five hours to come up with a kid's plan on the way to Florida. Hello, somebody. It was, we get to Florida. The first house, we can't even get into it. We can't get in the house primarily because it was the wrong house. It was the wrong house. <laughs> Pastor was so tired. She's like, yeah, that looked like the picture. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. So I said, let's just go to the men's house and distract them. <laughs> well, me and the Lord go off and pray. <laughs> Within five minutes of that prayer, they called, gave us the right number, went back in the right house. Amen. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, the women are going to be so mad. They're going to have to camp out here like this in chairs waiting for our house to open. But the Lord. <laughs> and we diverted another possible wrong outcome y'all don't want to help me today y'all don't want to help me today and i think at some point we went to walmart now i don't if you've never been on one of our treats, retreats before some of the people were very un, 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 uneasy about the walmart situation they did not recognize that walmart is work see they thought i'm retreating yay how is all this food going to get to our house if we don't go shopping People out there buying their own personal stuff, little snackies in their bags and stuff. I'm like, uh-uh, put them bags down. Go get these chickens. We need about 30 pounds of chickens. We had lists out to the wazoo of what we, carts just lined up, just from, I mean, just rows and rows of carts. We just, <laughs> now, bear in mind, we had money problems. So now, we in two different lines, and they have to tell me the subtotal before they swipe another. Well, how much is it? Where we at? Yep. Yep. All right, keep going. Yep. Where you at? All right, keep going. And I'm just sitting here going. <laughs> another storm averted. We have more than enough food. We ate so well. Minister Hudson planned that thing to a T. You hear what I tell you? I even believe it. I was like, oh, my God. I didn't even know we could feed that many people with that. Five fish, two loaves of bread, two fish, five loaves of bread. <laughs> so another storm was adverted. Yes. Then we had the content, which sent people in their own personal typhoon and cyclone of emotions. I mean, it was Mr. Hudson as the, the very first session. I start, Mr. Hudson's like, you ain't gonna be bashing the men like this. He didn't say that just like that. He said it in so many words. And I had to beg Minister Hudson, please just let me finish. Please let me finish. I'm going somewhere. And at the end, he said, oh, yeah, I didn't even think you was gonna go there. That was good. That was real good. It was a curveball in understanding gender, right? And that it's not just about roles and responsibilities, but it's a specific call to individuals. Amen? So the content had everybody in a tizzy. Yeah. 
And at some point, I was reaching for Roman's leash and my back went out. I heard a rip sound, the top of my back, and the kind of pain when you yell and nothing come out. <laughs> that one. It was terrible. Put some ice on it, got up, and gingerly finished every single session and every single game that day and the next day. Until the next morning, the morning of baptism, it felt like somebody shot me in my back, pow, 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 three times. I was out for like, what, 12 hours? I'm in the bed like this. Because somebody had me something to drink. I had to laugh to keep from crying. It was so bad. It had lasted so long, from 6.30 in the morning. I couldn't believe it. Then somehow, somehow, that storm was averted. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me today. In a series of events from worship and prayer to Taylor, we're back in action. Painful, but back in action. We get ready for our baptism, got to close on, mm, go down the steps, mm, do the procession, mm, get to the ocean. Oh, no. These waves, too much. Too much. I look at Minister Hudson, Brother Stefan, I'm like, mm -mm. Brother Toy, mm -mm, I can't do it. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. I was already out in the ocean at this point. Um, guys, I'm going to I'm have to go back. Y'all can go ahead and just stay here, and I'll just anoint them as they come to you. The waves were too hard against my back. I couldn't stand it. Minister Hudson, Brother Stefan, had a great idea. We'll block the waves, and it worked. And then again, another storm averted. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me today. I am trying to preach something here that you don't know, you're not really looking at, okay? <sighs> now, in true fashion, when I use the word adverted, or averted, excuse me, that's not appropriate. Another storm we went through. Because at every turn, nothing ceased for us. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me today. I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus is in the boat, exhausted. You can tell because the writers start using words before then, like immediately, <laughs> and right away, and very, very now, you know, very, I mean, just a whole bunch of words to say that it was, he was, he was humping that ministry, okay? Like, mm, we going, we going, we going. And then, <sighs> what Jesus questions them on is why don't they, why don't they believe yet? Why don't they believe yet? Like, he's, in essence, you should Hear the words that I'm preaching. See the beginning of the signs that I'm doing. And then put two and two together. Not only that, but David already prophesied that the Messiah would calm storms. Right? And cause the winds to obey. If de facto. But it's something unique about what you know that does not help when you're going through. You could know everything that you're supposed to know. You could know the right answer, you could know the wrong answer, but when you're actually in the heat of that, 
and that water starts pouring into that boat and all you're doing is shoveling water out and shoveling water out and it keeps coming in and coming in and it's coming in faster than y'all could shovel it out and you're thinking to yourself how long can this go on because more water is coming in at a rate that I cannot shovel it out and if you're not careful panic in MIT I tell people in this, in this ministry you have to be emotionally stable Number one, by the grace of the Lord, I am. And number two, you need to be. Panic? Doubt? No. If the Lord say this is where we're going, this is where we're going. Hello? If you say, no, it is not, I will say, scoot, scoot, scoot. Anybody else? It's the way it works. So they were shoveling out the water but so much more water is coming in. You're in a losing situation. Now, I must admit, that whole retreat, we was on the losing side for months, months. If you talk to me, my only concern, the retreat, the retreat, because I'm looking at the income. The retreat, the retreat, the retreat. We tried to keep the price point low enough so that every member in here that had a job could participate. Proper planning, right? It also meant the church itself as an entity would have to kick up a couple thousand, to which we did not have. Mm. And the houses we want were getting taken out because we didn't have the deposit money ready. And now we got, our house choices are limited. Everything's cutting down. Everything's getting more expensive. And there's more water coming in than we shoveling out. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. There's two problems that he's addressing. One, the wind. The wind is what causes the sea to be tumultuous, right? If you stop the wind, you have not necessarily stopped the tumultuous sea itself. Let me do it again. To John. Okay. The wind causes the waves to be rough. Okay? And, it, and you stop the wind. What happens to the waves? They keep going. They're going to have to keep going for a while. See, see, see how they were like, they stopped. Nope, nope. No. By the rules of inertia, they're not going to stop. <laughs> all right? They're going to keep going until all of that energy is used. And you're in the midst of all of that energy. So when God is trying to show you something about his power, number one, he speaks to the wind. The wind and number two, he also calms the sea. Now, re rebuking the wind could be a fluke. Like, I rebuke you, wind, and it stops. Maybe it just turned. You don't even know. But when you see that water cease to move, woo, when you see an ocean stop moving, waves come, that were over your head, calm. It's an eerily sense of power and magnitude. Because you're like, <laughs> 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 
Everybody looking at him like, oh, what in the world? It's the point where the disciples say, we done got ourselves into something. This is not a normal person. <laughs> we thought this was a regular rabbi. This, he's not normal. Something is up. We done, we done got into the deep end, okay? We don't even know what this is, but he is doing some stuff. Oh, my. It's something special when you begin to see the spiritual side of a person that is on fire for the Lord. It looks a little different. And in some cases, extreme fear should come over you. It should. It really should. Pastor, people are afraid of, afraid of you when you tell them to do something wrong. As they should. As they should. I'm not physically afraid. I don't hit anybody. I don't tell you to leave your job, take your money, confiscate your keys. It's not a cult. All I say is, you should not have done that. And they go, <laughs> and they just undone. They just broke. Just broke it all over. Like, can't even get their mind right for weeks. Oh my God, oh my God. That's the Lord. That is not me. That is what the Lord is showing you. That is not my intentions. Hello, somebody. That's just the way it works. So now the sea is still. The waves have calmed. So Jesus, you can stop the thing that is fighting against us. And you can also stop us. Interesting. But this is not a story of application. No, 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 no. This is the story of the power and might of Christ. At this point, the disciples just came encounter with a God that is just amazing. They have no reference point for this. None. Never seen it before. It's not even heard of. There are all prophecies that may come to pass, but no one's ever seen this. And not only that, it's not a mountain with thunders and lightnings, right? It's not Elijah or Elisha or Jeremiah where they put in stalks and embarrassed him. Oh, no. This is Jesus in a boat. Do you know how small a boat is? You and him like this. Hey. Yeah. As soon as you stop them waves, I'm backing up. All right, all right, all right. You in a category all by yourself. And me and my friends are going to try to figure out what, what happened. I don't know. The story and the miracle was designed to reveal Christ. Had nothing to do with your personal storms. It was to say, if you wondered who the Messiah is, this is him. Okay. Maybe that's, maybe that's not exciting for you. Okay. Okay. Because, you, you know, you, you're loved by gods all the time. Okay. But for me... <laughs> But for me, and for some of us, if you tell me that the God that loves me controls the actual wind, the actual waves, like that's the God that chose me, you, and not just hypothetically moves the waves, not just moves the waves of my life and my storms problems, but literally moves heaven and earth. He moved the earth. He moved the earth, people. He moved the earth with witnesses. He moved the earth with witnesses. I would have been afraid. Because I thought you was one thing, and I was all on board. And then you, you, really, you really leveled up on us on this one, huh? Mm. Mm. The purpose of the miracle was to say that God himself has come down to be with you. How do you know he's God? Because he moves the earth with his words. 
Just his words. Same words that create everything. When he says them, moves things. This is powerful. Because now you should have so much faith in who Christ is. Y'all don't want to help me today, huh? Once you see God move the earth, y'all don't want to help. Once you see God move the earth, hello, somebody. You should have so much faith. Y'all don't, y'all still not trying to help me today. Once you see God move, I'm not moving from that point until you can really recognize. When you see God move the earth, y'all don't want to help me today. You should have so much faith in God. So you've heard, you've seen God move situations. You see God move, move your heart conditions. That's not what I'm talking about, baby. He moved the actual earth. Put some respect on his name. to minimize his efforts to just you're in your hearts the storms in your life i know he'd be like what y'all ain't even recognizing the the biggest the biggest thing one of the biggest flexes of all time like if you wanted to know who i am number one i'm not worried about this storm and number two i can tell it to stop you stop what you want okay fine stop just stop sit down fine i'll tell it to stop just stop right there you're done we're done, you have to worry about it no more. Make it across the other side. You serve the God that demonstrated that he moves the earth in real time with witnesses. I wonder what would happen if you stopped thinking about God moving your personal storms and really start to identify him with the appropriate type of power that he actually has. Y'all don't want to help me. He's got more power than that, baby. He's got more power than that, baby. He's got more power. Woo! Oh, y'all don't understand this today. Oh, he's bigger than what you think, baby. Ain't nobody worried about your little life story. Ain't nobody worried about your little trigger points. Ain't nobody worried about your little low bank account. My God moves the earth, baby. Bank account, earth moving. Handling my emotions, earth moving. You've robbed my God of his actual power so that you can get a couple of needs met. Y'all don't want to help me. So you can have a little rabbit's foot in your pocket that all you got to do is declare and decree and then you're going to have everything you want and you rob God of his power in the earth. If you actually believed that God calmed the sea and rebuked the waves and they stopped, then it's no problem for you to believe that that retreat's going to go off pretty well. It's no doubt. When you, actually just, when you actually believe that God himself became flesh in order to relate to you as a love language because you couldn't handle him in all of his might, so he stripped himself of all of that scary might, came into compassion in flesh form, and still has the ability to calm everything out of word. And this is the God that you serve. You can't even, you can't have fear of anything at this point. 
sit on down, sit on down. People say, Pastor, are you afraid? No. Are you afraid? No. Ain't really nothing I'm afraid of but the Lord. Now, there's some things I don't like. There's some things that make me a little uneasy, but afraid? Not because of me, because of him. Absolutely. On every turn of that retreat, on every typhoon and cyclone we had to deal with, I was like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. What are we going to do? It's going to be all right. The storm is coming to that area. It's going to be all right. We ain't got enough money. What are we going to do? It's going to be all right. People are trying to come up with all kinds of extravagant plans. <laughs> the heart was in the right place. It's going to be all right. And I know Shahida was thinking, Pastor, you can't just say we're going to be all right. Somebody got to do something. <laughs> and I was like, that's my baby right there. Right? But watch, I'm going to say it, and it's going to happen. And it did. And I didn't do no more than what I've been doing. Hello? When you know who you serve and the true magnitude of his power and might, what can man do to you? What can earthly situations do to you? This is the problem of anxiety because you refuse. You refuse to allow God to stand in all of his glory, but only in the amount of glory that affects your internal being. And that's never enough because there's always situations, you know, those storms, all those keep hitting you. And you only know God to help you with the storm. Then another storm and they hit you, help you with the storm. And see now, now storm after storm and just your emotions going like this. You're not good. You're uneasy all the time, all the time, all the time. Because as soon as you get past one, where'd another one coming? On your insides. Right? Because you really don't receive him in all his power. He's the God that with his words moved the earth. This is the one that came for you. Knowing you were sinning. Knowing you were sinning. This is the one, now, now this is really going to trip you out. This is the one that came for you, wanted you, desired you, knowing that even after he got you, you was going to sin again. Like, he already knew you was going to mess up again and again and again. And he said, I still want you. What? What? The God that moves the earth with his words wants me to be around him, wants me to be next to him, wants me to talk to him. I don't understand. I just don't understand. I've done so much dirt. I did so much dirt when I knew better. Y'all don't want to help me today. I knew better. My grandmama told me better. My daddy told me better. My mama, big mama, I knew better. And he was like, you, you with the dizzy spirit. The miracle, the miracle, this miracle is still incomplete. You need to know this miracle is incomplete, incomplete, right? It's not done because the disciples were so afraid that they had to wake up Jesus with his much needed rest. 
to calm the storm, to stop them from drowning, to which he knew they weren't going to drown. <laughs> they just had to do a lot of work, a lot of work under a lot of pressure. Y'all don't want to help me today. You don't, you don't really know how the kingdom of God works, okay? You don't recognize somebody got to do a lot of work under a lot of pressure. Y'all don't want to help me. Somebody's got to do a lot of work under a lot of pressure. Somebody's got to do a lot of work under a lot of pressure. So emotionally unstable people cannot lead with me because there's too much pressure and it's a lot of work. So if I come with my human self and just blow a little hot air on you and you undone for weeks, that, that, that baby ain't done cooking. You need to put that baby back in the oven. It's, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. It can't be. All right, let's, go, let's, look, at the, let's look at the next one. And, and then we're almost done. We're we done, we, we done with this, huh? Go to... Go to Matthew 14, 22, all right? And then I want to back up after this, okay? All right. Verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to a mountain to pray by himself. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long, was a long way from the land beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them again. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. I am. Do not be afraid. Stop right there. Okay. Powerful, powerful miracle, okay? Powerful miracle. But let me show you a little bit more why this is so powerful, okay? Because in this example, he's not really talking to the waves yet or the wind. In the middle of the storm, he's just walking. Matters not to me. It was as if he was like, where they at? Down there. And he just started walking and didn't even recognize, like, he didn't go, oh, I'm about to walk on water. It was just kind of like, I'm going to keep going where I'm supposed to go in the midst of this entire storm. I'm going to keep going in the direction I'm supposed to go. I'm going to keep going in the direction I'm supposed to go. And everything that is needed to get to where I'm supposed to be, it's going to be right there. This is not a message about you. It's not a message about you. No. No. This is not how you can... Just keep doing everything you need to do and everything you need to be in your place. No, it's not about you. This is about him. This is about his power. His might. Huh? Ain't about you. You know how we know? Because you ain't never been able to walk on water. So clearly that's not the miracle he wants you to replicate. But before we could really understand the magnitude of what's happening, go back to a couple verses up in Matthew, somewhere around 10, 11, 12, 16th verse in that space. <laughs> what has just taken place is John the Baptist 
has been beheaded. Now, I've talked to people about this before, and I revealed how the storm was probably a direct reflection of Jesus' emotions at that time. But nevertheless, that's not what I'm here to say. John the Baptist had just been beheaded, right? And verse 12 says, and his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. Okay. Let's look at this. Number one, John the Baptist was his cousin. All right. His mama, his mama and Jesus' mama, pregnant around the same time. They womb twins. They see each other and Elizabeth get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, you know, that was just from day one. Okay, day one, they was like spiritually brothers. Okay, us, day one. John the Baptist ministry started a little sooner. And I'm sure Jesus understood. He's out in the wilderness creating new religious systems for people to repent because the old religious system is not affecting the heart. So he moved completely away from what his parents' religion was, right? And then got into this thing with with the Lord, just him and the Lord. The Lord told him to baptize people. Do you know how much faith you have to have for God to tell you to do something new and different as it relates to sin and you do it and it's working? He's out here in the wilderness. He don't care nothing about no systems. He don't care nothing about no politics. All he knows is the people of God's heart need to be right and ready for his coming. He's out there getting it, getting it, year after year after year after year. year. When Jesus goes to get baptized, he knows you are the son, the lamb of God. You are the son of God. It's a huge Holy Spirit moment. Oh, he's baptized. Now, Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist means that he affirmed this new religious technique that had not been done in the Old Testament. Because sometimes you could be out here doing something, you understand, and you just don't know if you're handling it the right way. You know, ain't no other churches doing it like, well, is it really? And if God did not anoint it himself, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. In that moment, they both know who's who, what's what, right? Jesus keeps taking his disciples and going on. John the Baptist ministry, it stays there. Keep baptizing people into repentance. Now, some of John the Baptist's disciples go with Jesus, and some of them say, no, this is the work I'm called to do. If de facto, John the Baptist's ministry is going to have to come to an end, right? Because Jesus is going to die on the cross, okay? So, all right, you can repent, but you don't have to repent with water necessarily. That's not the point. Let's go back. So John the Baptist, (sighs) what I'm trying to say is they were really close, like super close. The kind of spiritual brothers, they talked about everything spiritual together. And you could tell that the, the spirit of God is Jesus and the spirit that is of God that is in John the Baptist, they connected. And they understood things that most people didn't understand. And they could relate. When he was trying to tell about something, he'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you're right. Because mm. that prophecy, yup, in Psalms, I told you. That's what I'm trying to say, Jesus. They had that kind of... That kind of rapport back and forth. Yeah, because I was just thinking about that. Isaiah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yup, John, yup, Jesus, what, what? Mm, mm, tight. John the Baptist began to speak against Herod at the time. There are three Herods, all right? This is not the Herod that was seeking Jesus, all right, uh, when he was born. This is a different Herod, all right? And Herod, 
decided to take his brother's wife, pretty much kill his brother, take his wife. And John the Baptist said, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, people coming out here to the wilderness, this man's a prophet now, okay? They see signs and miracles through him. He's a prophet. Everybody believes it. John, what you think about Herod? Mm. The whole scandal over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, took his sister. No, they wife. No, that's his wife now. What? Mm -hmm. What you think about that? Shouldn't be done, says John the Baptist. In no way form should it be done. It's unacceptable. Now, in my mind, I was thinking, John the Baptist, what does that have to do with you? Anybody ever think of that? Herod was not Jewish. What did it have to do to him? I'm glad you asked. Herod was appointed by Caesar. And anyone appointed to rule over Galilee, Jerusalem, that area was very specific because the leaders of that day had to also support that leader, the new Herod. Because if the new Herod was not supported by the people, then there would be revolts. And revolts cost money. Do you understand? So most Herods that got that position felt like they had to placate to the Jewish leaders of that day in order to make sure that no outbreak happened, which is why they were trying to get Jesus, to make sure that no spontaneous revolt happened and draw Caesar's attention towards them and remove him from position. Make sense? So when John the Baptist said, no, that shouldn't be done, that's not even right. It's not right. Not right Roman-wise, not right moral-wise, not right biblically. It's just not right. John the Baptist hears this and locks him up. I mean, Herod hears John's story and locks him up. Now, this is the part, okay? He puts John the Baptist in prison. Jesus finds out that John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist says, if you're the one, then come get me out of here. I thought I knew. I thought I understood. Jesus said, I ain't never seen nobody as awesome and wonderful as John. Never. But tell him all the things that you're seeing. Tell him all the signs. He's telling his, his friend, his, his, his brother in the Lord. Do you understand? Bruh, everything we talked about that was going to go down is going down. It's going down, bruh. I'm telling you, it's happening. That's all he needed to hear. Shortly thereafter, for some political gain, Herod's new wife, which is the no-no, decides that she wants John the Baptist killed, but Herod don't want to kill him because it's going to cause a revolt. So then her daughter dances for him, and he says, you can have anything you want. She says, from her mom's persuasion, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Out of all the stuff you could ask for. Now, this is the part that broke my heart. Because you see two best friends like brothers. And they're both fulfilling their own areas of ministry. And then you hear that your brother in the Lord was just horrifically killed for political gain. I mean, John the Baptist's disciples had to go and get his body with no head. Can you, um, the blood, the gore, and they're, t I mean, you, you would be, you would, I would be so upset I'd be throwing up. Because I couldn't imagine how people could be so heartless, so mean, so cruel. He wasn't bothering nobody. He out here, he ain't even, he ain't even costing no money. He just eat locusts. He ain't doing nothing, bothering nobody. And this is how you treat him? All he wanted to do was help people. And Jesus is knowing this. 
And the disciples got to take that man's body and bury it, knowing that his head is some trophy in some other king's house. I can only imagine how his disciples felt. An outcry, this is not right! This is not just! Where's the justice that we need? And they go and tell Jesus. Then Jesus feeds 5,000. Wait, let's talk about that. When Jesus hears this, this is the next verse, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. He was so heartbroken. Our Savior was so distraught over the type of pain, gore, and agony that has befallen his friend. It's something about being human that even if you know the outcome, it doesn't stop you from feeling the feelings. You know how movies end, and you still be like, ooh, ooh. It can, it can be a movie not even real, and you still shed a tear. Just because he's God did not remove the ability for him to hurt with all the pain that this earth brings. And he was distraught. He's like, guys, I'm going off by myself. Gets in the boat. I need to be by myself. No, you can't go with me, Peter. God, dang it. No. Everywhere I go, here you go. Little boat side by. Jesus, how would you want to Jesus, are you rolling out in the water? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. He offers no words here. He says nothing. One of the biggest players of this movement and all his disciples were just cut down. His disciples is in disarray. Jesus' disciples in disarray. And Jesus just walks off and says nothing. That's when you know somebody mad. He ain't offering no words of comfort. It's going to be okay, everybody. It's going to be all right. You just keep doing what you're doing, and I'll be back. He just walks off. Heartbroken, I would imagine. As soon as he gets in the boat, the people start seeing him in the boat. All the crowds of people that need things. And they run on foot around the lake and then meet him on the other side. Y'all don't want to help me today. They, they have needs and they're running, trying to get to the other side of the lake while Jesus is trying to get there by himself to be alone for just a moment, to have a second to take in what has happened, to have a second to regroup, to have a second to make sure you and God are lined up, to have a breath. But no, 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 no. Here come multitudes of people, a ton of folk with sicknesses and diseases and demons. And before he can even step his foot off right, it's time to work. To Jesus, these people are willing to come to a desolate place. That's how bad they need what they need. He starts healing multitudes of people. Okay, listen, it had to be over 5,000. Each one. Each one. And I'm sure knowing Jesus, everybody felt a personal connection. You know, what's going on? I lost my foot. Mm. You want it back? Yes, Jesus. Mm. I got my foot back. Thank you. Oh my God, you're so amazing. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Next, I lost my arm. Okay, all right, let's go again. Yeah. But each one probably felt sincerity. Not like, next, next. All right, everybody put your hands up. I'm going to give you a blanket blessing. Whoosh. 
I'm sure he was way better at it than I am, but even I have to go individual <laughs> down the prayer line. And sometimes a hundred or two, right? Thousands upon thousands. He's exhausted at this point. Now the disciples, which I find strange, he tells them to get in the boat and go on over without him. Because he's trying to get that alone time. Do you understand? He says, I'll tell everybody to go. Oh, this is before. No, this is before. They had the, he fed the 5,000 first. So when all the miracles is done, the disciples come to him and say, look, Jesus, it is desolate out here. Look, ain't no gas station out here. We ain't got no quick trip. We ain't, <laughs> we ain't got no, no good food. I mean, these people have traveled all over here. It's time we kind of let them go because what they're going to eat? The sun is going down. He's like, well, you feed them. Now, there's something about that statement. That I'm, you know, I'm not Jesus, but I could really feel his heart that after he done done so much and healed like 5,000 plus people, and then you want to talk to me about food? Why don't you do something, you little disciples? You ain't doing nothing but sitting over there, ah, 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 ooh, 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 ooh. Why don't you feed them? That's how I would have felt. Like, for real, y'all can't even handle lunch? Can't even handle lunch. You saw this crowd. You could have went three hours ago. See, that's, that would have been me. You could have went five hours ago, all right, all right? Could have got some food and hit prepare for this. You see this crowd. What you doing over there? Nothing. You want to see Jesus? Go ahead. You want to see Jesus? Go ahead. No, what's your ailment? No, you got to go over on the other side because that's where the blind people are. I mean, come on. So you feed them. Now, one of two things. Either God, Christ knew they could, they could have went and got some food. I don't know, for how, not, not that many, I don't think. But he also knew that if he says you feed them, then they were going to be able to feed them. And he's trying to see if they're catching on to why they were called. Y'all don't want to help me today. Not. He's trying to say, are you understanding why you're called? Not, oh, when I'm hungry, the Lord will give me bread. Oh, when I ain't got no money, the Lord put money in my bank account. Oh, when I ain't got no car, he'll make a way. No. Do you recognize yet why I called you? Why the God that made heaven and earth with just words decide to call you by name and tell you to come and follow me? Are you getting it yet, disciples? Because if I tell you Feed them. Do you feed them? That's it. Bro's like, what? How are we gonna feed them? Only thing we got is this and this. Okay, I just put a man's back, arm back on. Work with me. Work with me. Come on, have some faith. Just, just a little bit. But see, it's really hard for humans to have faith for things. That's not about them. When Christ talks about faith, he talks about the type of love you're supposed to have for one another. When we got done with the retreat, oh, pastor, you were so strong. <laughs> I was playing in the bed, you know, just, tried, just got done with a, a bathroom trip to which Aunt Belle had to help me with. She was so kind, and I was so embarrassed. And I sat on the edge of bed, Catching my breath to the pain I had to get in order to lay down. And I was just like, she went to lay down. I said, hold on, let me, let me get ready because it's going to hurt like a dickens. And I just went sit there for a second. And she said, baby, you're so strong. I'm so sweet. I looked at her and said, I don't want to be strong. <laughs> True story. I said, Aunt Belle, 
I don't want to be strong. She said, what, you want to be a punk? You don't want to be, no, she, and she started preaching to me, you don't want to be no punk, you want to be strong in the Lord. I was like, yeah. You right. Mm. Ah! <laughs> mm, did not make the pain go away, but I did lay down. At some point, Jesus is trying to say, do you know why I called you? Can you click it yet? Not only do you know me, but do you know what our relationship is? Yes, you're my magic genie. And when I'm sick, you heal me. And when I'm this, you do this. And when I'm this, you do this. Okay. That's them. That's them. That's them. Those who have not been called yet. Those he's trying to call. Those are the ones he does that kind of stuff for. You by God's grace and mercy, have not been sick, surprisingly, have not been hungry, surprisingly, have not been bit by demons or serpents, have not encountered any problems, surprisingly, you are in perfect condition as we serve. The, the miracles was for us to help them. I called you to walk with me. The problem with Christians in the modern church, is everybody want to be the multitude and don't nobody want to be the disciple. It happens in my own church. As soon as they see what discipleship takes, mm-mm. Specifically and say, well, can I just be a regular saint? <laughs> Baby, there ain't no real regular ones. They just ones that never actually become and just get the snot beat out of them until they die. But they were never called to be regular. Not one. People see what goes on and the trials and tribulations we have to go through. I mean, look at this. Jesus is healing folk and feeding them in the midst of grief. In the midst of it. I mean, boom, boom. Not a couple months, not a couple years to take a break. Get your mind right. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. He's just giving, 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 pouring, pouring, pouring. Jesus, these people need to eat. Let's call it a night. Now, this is probably why Jesus said, y'all go on over. Just go. You ain't no help. I will dismiss the crowd. Dismissing the crowd seems like a perfect job function for 12 disciples. All right, guys. Let's go on. Show's over. The Lord has blessed. Hello? Come on. Back it on up. Back it on up. Everybody go on home now. Jesus need to get some rest. That seemed like a perfect job for them. Nope. They got on his nerves so bad. They got on his nerves so bad. All he wanted to do was get his mind right and heal folk and deliver folk. But they got to hear, what are they doing next? How long are we going to be there? I'm sure he heard the murmurings. Because they all mumbered it before they got to him. It's getting late. What are we going to eat? I don't know. You hungry? I'm hungry too. Jesus hungry. He'll never be hungry. You ask me hungry. Might be to do the Lord's will. I mean, come on. He ain't going to be hungry. They probably hungry too. They probably hungry. Yeah, they probably hungry. Look at him hungry. No, somebody need to go tell Jesus. <laughs> they walk up the steps at the retreat. <laughs> Pastor, um, people want to know. Um, and I'm like, I can't see you. Walk over here. <laughs> I can't even sit up to see who's talking to me. People want to know, um, can they go to the ocean or to the pool? Yeah, they can go to the pool. 
do whatever you want. I'm just waiting, waiting here. Just waiting for the Lord to move. Don't mind me. But eventually my babies got it together and started praying. And boy, did they pray. I know Jesus is probably saying, just go on over there. I'll dismiss the crowd. So he's just, oh, may the Lord, may God bless you. Oh, Jesus, you don't know how much it means to me. Oh, oh yes. Oh, Jesus, my man, I know. All right, then. All right. Everybody, just keep moving. And he goes, finally, he's by himself. And he stays and he prays for, I mean, from maybe, what, 8 to 3 in the morning. From sunset to three in the morning. This is how long it took the Savior to get his mind and heart right and to get his next instruction because if they will kill John the Baptist like this, it's true. People come, they come and tell Jesus. Herod is looking for you. So tell him, Jesus, you got to get out of here. Herod is looking for you. And then people literally come to give him this message. We're coming from Herod. He wants you. I heard when. Yeah. He's coming for you, sir. Then this is, after this fiasco here, Jesus looks them square in the eye. It says something along the lines of, tell that scumbag that I will do miracles Yesterday, I will do miracles today, and I will do miracles tomorrow. I will finish my course. Who cannot love this man, okay? Who, I mean, he was like, he was down, heart broke. They came up stronger than ever. You better tell him I'm coming for him. You ain't going to stop me from healing my people. I'm going to do my job, y'all. I'll be in the back. That's why I follow him right there. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. Woo. Then he said, but seriously, we got to go. <laughs> he better be glad that I got to go because I got to get to Jerusalem, but it ain't because of that. And then he, he literally leaves. <laughs> ah, that was funny. It's really there. It's hilarious. All right. Okay. Now, Jesus on the boat? No. Disciples on the boat. They went ahead of him. Jesus comes down from prayer. Pitch black. Ain't no street lights. Ain't no flashlights. Mm -mm, dark. Dark, dark. The kind of dark where you stare at the darkness so long, you're like, ooh, somebody been there. <laughs> and you don't want to stare at it no more. You be like, ooh. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> Just in case, in case somebody come out. You can stare at some dark, you be like, mm -mm, that's too scary. I'm just going to look away. Uh -oh. <laughs> He's walking and just starts walking toward the disciples who's getting their tails kicked by the wind yet again, right? And he was going to go past them, all right? He was going to, his intention was not to stop That's what you get. You just keep walking. <laughs> See you on the other side, chumps. Mm, mm, mm. No. I'm sure he assumed 
you should know from last time. What the wind and the sea has to do according to the will of God. You should know. They're in there panicking again. Waves hitting them. Can't go any further. We're stuck. We're stuck. Here comes Jesus. In the midst of the storm. I'm like, ah, it's a ghost. I can imagine if I was Jesus. I'd be like, oh, it's a ghost. Where in the ministry have I shown you a ghost? Where? Where in the ministry have I shown you a ghost? I've shown you demons. I've shown you live people. Where have you seen a ghost? And number two, why would it be me? Shouldn't you be expecting to see me at some point? Yeah, because that'd be y'all. I was like, ah, Pastor, it was a ghost. What? Who said anything about ghosts? I don't know, but sometimes, you know. And I just look at you like, are you a Christian? Do you read the right scripture? Do you read the same Bible as me? And they were terrified because they thought it was a ghost. And Jesus proclaims, in the midst of the storm, shut up. (laughs) Be quiet. Be still. I am. He used the same I am verb from Moses and, and God Almighty. The I am is here. Same one. And Jesus is like, what? Now, he's in the storm, not coming towards them. Over there. They still can't quite see him. Make sense? No. So y'all thought, like the movie, when he said, it's me, that everybody could straight see Jesus in a straight line. No, he's still out there with winds. The storm never stopped here, okay? The winds is still blowing. Water is still swishing around. And they see him in the distance. I am. He says, I am. Is that Jesus? Huh. I don't know. It could be that ghost. You remember that time? (laughs) Peter says, well, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. Now, you're trying to figure out if Jesus, the one that calmed the sea and the winds, in your face, the one that fed 5,000 people, miraculously healed and cast out demons for days and days on end. You mean to tell me you're confused whether he is God or not? It's something about storms that cause people to forget that they really know who God is. And they start asking for silly things like a sign. Can you give me a sign? Is what you want me to do? Can you give me a sign? Is what you want me to do? And I be, and you be like, Pastor, I asked the Lord for a sign. I said, Why? Aren't you a believer? Signs are not for believers. Signs are for the unbelievers. What is wrong with you? You need a sign from God to determine if you're doing what He told you to do. Like Him telling you enough, telling you to yourself isn't enough. No, He needs to do more. Because I can get it confused. Well, get it confused then. But I'm not going to give you a sign. Right? That's silly. You should know his voice according to scripture. My sheep know my voice. And a stranger's voice they will not hearken unto. Where you faith that? Do you believe it? Or do you believe that you still be talking to strangers' voices? Ain't his fault you decided not to th- throw all that stuff away. Huh? So I know what it is. You've been living a lot for yourself lately. 
You've been living a lot for yourself, got caught in your feelings, you know? Because you know the disciples got in that boat and said, man, why we got to go? I mean, why can't, why can't we stay? Golly, I bet, I bet you Peter said he could stay, that he let them all stay. Oh, my God, why we got to? Because when you're so worried about you, in the midst of a storm, you forget who God really is. You can't even ascertain in the midst of it who he is. You're stuck because your focus is on you, and now God is saying, do something because it's me, and you're like, I need a sign. Did you get that? Did you, let, me, let me do it again. When you're focused on you, when God is doing something, it's hard for you to determine if that is God because the focus is on you. And since you have your all kinds of mess going on, you don't feel quite clear if you could really hear the voice of God. And you shouldn't, because you're selfish. But when you know what God is calling you to do, and you do what God is calling you to do, and you in a storm, and he says, it's me, thank God. I mean, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad you're here. What's up? We can't quite, get, can you kind of do the thing with the wind again so we can kind of advance to the other side? Oh, no, you're confused. You need another sign. So he gives him a sign, don't he? Ooh, I got to go. He gives him a sign. Says, Peter, come. Now, what I love about this is we try to say, like, bid, like, oh, come on, Peter. He commands Peter. And Peter asks for a command. That word there that's bid is the same word that's used in every other word of command when someone in authority tells you to do something. So Peter says, if it's you, then you command me to walk. Peter was starting to understand something that the rest of the disciples were slow to get. If you called me, come on somebody, if you called me to something, then you will make sure I can complete what you called me to do. So, hmm, let me think here. Well, if you tell me to come, then I'll be able to do it. He says, come. Peter was getting the hang of that thing. He was like, oh, you called us to do some stuff. You called us, so whatever you tell us to do, we're going to be able to do it. Yeah, come. Doggone it, if we ain't coming. I tell you what, everybody else in the boat, salty. Trying to figure out what well, if I did it would have worked for me. Somebody, I'm gonna try it again. Mm, don't try it, don't try it. The rest of the story, you see? Peter begins to look at the waves. The sea becomes more tumultuous. Peter gets afraid and starts looking at the waves, and immediately he begins to sink. And Jesus grabs him by his hand, pulls him up. They both get in the boat. They go on about their way. In this story of storms, and in that story of storms, it is true Jesus has to intervene. That something about the disciples and their development is not quite right. Right? Because in Jesus' mind, you're supposed to be like John the Baptist is to me. My ace boost coon. My ride or die. You're supposed to know my power and be like, we're going to go over there. We're going to go over there. That's right. That's right. I don't even know. But he said, we're going. We're going. Just go with it. Just go with it. No, you got secondary thoughts. Questions about your intent, your intent, your motives. Questions about your sin the last time. I mean, you can tell you to do one thing. And you're thinking like 15 different things as to why you may not be able to do that one thing. And you forget the idea that he told you. 
I'll do it again. God can tell you to do something. And you think 15 million things in your head about why you can't do it, why you maybe you got it wrong, why maybe it's not for you, and you completely forget that God commanded you to do it. If you could remember that he told you to do it, then it does not matter if the money ain't there. It does not matter if a hurricane's coming through. It does not matter if my back is out. It does not matter. It just doesn't matter. I'm just waiting for the right time. You can't get up now? Nope, don't get up now. All right, all right. What about now? Mm, nope, mm, okay. At some point, I'm going to have to get up. They're like, we can do it in the pool. Mm -mm. We're doing this in the ocean. That's what John the Baptist is baptizing in the water like that. That's what we're we doing it like that. Just like that. We're doing it. When God calls you to do something, your only concern is to do it. Over and over and over again, I had to keep putting my cares back in his hands. You know, I'm counting, adding, looking around. Things falling apart. Every night, I leave my desk slash breakfast nook table and <laughs> And go to bed thinking, well, couldn't see any solutions today. And go to bed. Wake back up, look over everything again. Email, email, text, text, count the numbers, check the accounts. <sighs> nope. Can't find any solutions today. And go back to bed. I did this for like three months. People say, I, I, when I get my money, Pastor, I'm going to get us. When I get my money. They never got their money in time. So I was just like, what we going to do? Hmm. When God commands you to do something, you do it. And the only reason you're unsure is because you're focused on you and not what he called you to do. The only thing I can say, and I'm not trying to blow my, you know, puff myself up or anything, but I didn't know how much the Lord was pleased until I saw them sparkles on that picture and video. Like, I, you know, to me, I'm just doing what I always do, right? But he said, oh, no. I'm very pleased with this. And I was like, who, me? And we was oh, yeah, you were so strong. I'm thinking, I wasn't. I had no intentions on being strong. The only thing I was concerned about was you. You. That was it. What God wanted for your life. Chief concern. It's amazing when you accept the call of God what kind of miracles he does in your life. We could all attest, them sparkles is miracles. And that's not even a miracle of necessity. That's just, he just being sweet. <laughs> right? Little, little sparkles. When you do what God's calling you to do. That wasn't just trying to be obedient. That was easy. He made it easy because I absolutely love his people. All of it became a no-brainer. No matter who was with me, who wasn't, who was against me, you don't know my babies. You don't know my babies like I know my babies, and you don't know how much my babies are important to him. So if de facto, this is going down. People said, we could just scale it down. We could, and we don't mind. The Lord, no, we don't, mind. We, we don't even mind scaling it down. But let's think about why are we scaling it down. The only reason we would scale it down is because we don't have money. In the history of my ministry, money has never been a problem. Never been a problem. 
never been a problem. It might be the last hour, the last second, where I'd be swiping. Oh, thank God. But it was always there. Like two fish and five loaves, I'm telling you, it always showed up. Never. And we have done some crazy stuff. Money's always there. That's it. That's it. Do you love people enough? Whatever assignment God gave you, it is for someone else, not for you. Now, let me try to unravel some of the worldly thoughts that you're always tangled and tangled in. Your life is not for you. Your life is for God. Let me say it again. Your life is not for you. Your life is for God. All the Christians, your life is not for you. Your life is for God. The reason why you need so many signs is because you keep having your own ulterior motives for stuff. Every time I look up, but how's it going to affect my paycheck? Is it going to help me in my life? Or is it going to help me get a house? Is it going to help me do this? What I want to know is, what did God show you about others that's in this? And you could try to add somebody to it. But if that wasn't the core, it's going to fall apart. And you're like, I thought God told me. I got that wrong. No, he didn't tell you. You told him and hoped that he would agree. In my opinion, if I'm your pastor, anointed by God to disciple you, to raise you, we should be on one accord. And similar to what we've learned about marriage, no one takes the primary lead. Hello? If you say God told you something and it disagrees with me, nobody takes the lead. We're going to have to sit here and talk about it until we can figure it out. And when the time is done and we can't figure it out, decision has been made. You decide to do what's best for you. But ain't no way God is saying that we're supposed to be divided on something he called us to do. Not at all. Not at all. So when you're doing what God calls you to do, and it's not about self, and it's what he said, you have no problem at all enduring. The problem of enduring storms comes when you begin to be afraid for yourself. The problem, with, the problem you have with endurance happens when you become more afraid for yourself. Peter looked at the waves, and now he has a problem because he was afraid of what the waves would do to him. Yeah. Right? But if he would remember, looking at Jesus, you're commanding me to come. And in my spirit, I feel like that's indicative of what you're calling us as the disciples to do. So that is needed in these people. Oh, we had a terrible heart back over here. We was all mumbling and complaining about how we was hungry and you was going through a lot. It's about you, God. It's about you and what you want us to do. Couldn't quite get it. Started on that path. Things got rough. They got scared. Number one, Peter. And the thing fell apart. On two storms, I gotta go. On two storms of significance, Jesus had to come rescue them. On both. There's only one storm that involves Jesus and his spirit that he did not rescue them from. 
go with me to Acts 27. Now, come on, saints, you sure already know. Just say, yeah, nobody won't know. Acts chapter 27, Paul, anointed by Christ as an apostle, has been sent on a mission through a couple of political moves, some underhanded things, but overall the divine sovereignty of God, Paul was commanded by the spirit of the Lord to go and take the gospel to Caesar. So they put him on a boat with a whole bunch of goods, you know, some trades people, right? And he said, go on that trade ship, like, you know, and they'll take you over there. So him and his, his soldiers that are guarding him get on this boat. The boat hits a storm, a bad storm. I mean, like 20 plus days of a bad storm, yeah. all right? The storm was so bad that they just stopped eating for a couple days because they didn't know how much longer it was going to be. The issue was that for three days, they could never see the stars, the moon, or the sun. Just constant storms, just beating on them over and over and over and over. Just no relief. You're not even aware of what day it is because you can't see the stars. No light is coming in. You're just getting, it's not, be and they know that since there's so many days that we can't see out, that it also means that people can't see in. So now if we were to get help, they would go to the last place we were, and we're no longer there, and nor would they be able to see us. So they say, everybody stop eating. Just hold off. We're going to eat a little piece of cheese right before we faint. Okay? Oh, mm, and that's it. All right? They secure things. Add ropes to the hole, and all of this is very spiritual and very symbolic, and it's beautiful. I've taught that before, but I don't want to miss the point. They're afraid for their lives. Paul receives an angel and tells him, you guys are going to make it. Everybody that's on it is going to make it. Um, everybody on the ship is going to make it. So don't worry. He wakes up, says, hey, guys, it's cool. My God, you don't know him, but he said we're going to make it. Everybody's like, cool, we do something. At this point, we're nervous. Some of them try to escape, the captains of the ship, try to escape on the back end, on a smaller boat, right? That they can kind of drift off now that they're sure that they've hit anchor somewhere, okay? They don't really know where. He says, nope, if they get off this boat, we're all going to die. Now, how much, how did he know that? Because the angel told him, everyone on the ship will be saved. He knew instinctively, you have to be on this ship because that's what the Lord said. And with great authority, the rest of the people snatched them captains back on the boat and cut off, cut off the little boat and sent it out. They battered down the hatches. People that could swim, he said, y'all start swimming. Just get out and start swimming. When they realized that the land was a little bit closer after taking soundings, the people that could swim start swimming. The people that can't swim. Dear Lord, why do you get on a boat if you can't swim? I don't even understand this. Please, people, tell me. Learn to swim. Stop getting on boats and you can't swim. We were former slaves. This is not wise. Get on a boat and learn to swim, okay? People, people's on the boat. The main mode of transportation. And didn't know how to swim. So they broke off pieces of the ship and use them as flotation devices 
and through the storm, pushed and fought their way up to land. The only reason I'm showing you this story is that it wasn't until after Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and the spirit of God coming into man were we finally able to do exactly what he called us to do in the midst of the storm. Jesus didn't have to rebuke the storm. He didn't have to calm the sea. Paul wasn't asking for it. He wasn't saying get rid of the waves. He wasn't saying get rid of the water. He, wasn't, he said just tell me what I need to do and that's what we'll do. I don't need no special privileges. So you can go through this storm? That's it? He never said, well, if God wanted me to do it, why did he make it so hard? Well, if God wanted me to do it, why is it taking so long? Nope. He never said that. Well, if God wanted me to do it, why didn't he make a way? No, he didn't say that. The way of the Lord is whirlwinds and storms. The way of the Lord is whirlwinds and storms. If you can't do what you called to do in a storm, I question whether you're really called. I'll say it again. If you cannot do what you're called to do in the midst of a storm, and the storm ain't got to pass, and the waves ain't got to cease, but I will do exactly what my Lord commanded. Come on, standing all over the house because we are done. Jesus tells the disciples and all the naysayers, your life it's more than just bread. The reason y'all came back is because you ate this bread and it filled you. He said, the bread is my body. It's my actual flesh. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people are like, oh, that's disgusting. What he's trying to say, which is indicative of communion, is that when you take this bread, you're recognizing that my body was destroyed for you. And you take that idea, that truth, and you hide it in your heart. Yes? And it's there. So every time you feel like you can't make it because you're too tired. You feel like you can't make it because you're too hurt. You feel like you can't make it. Just remember you ate of his body. And you can make it. It is imperative that you make it because there are saints that have not come into the fold that are waiting on you. You're not supposed to be the multitude. You're supposed to be the disciples. Learning how to move in whirlwinds and storms. Learning how to keep your eyes on God and love people when everything else is going crazy. That's what you're called to do. You're not called, as a faith doctrine tells you, to easily just declare and decree problems away. But to endure them like a good soldier.